You're listening to the Teach Better Talk podcast featuring expert educators eager to share progressive tactics to reach more students. Teach Better Talk is created by teachers and fueled by passion. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 58 of Teach Better Talk. I'm Ray Hewart, but you already knew that. And as always, I am with the very diligent Jeff Gargas. Diligent. How are you doing, Jeff? I, I'm feeling very diligent. I'm, cur- I'm curious. Like You're always like, I'm Ray Hewitt, but you already knew that because I'm big and famous. And oh, here's Jeff. Is that how it is? Is that what it is? Like everybody, no, like, let's it's like, clarify. hey, let's listen to Teach Better Talk with Ray Hewitt. And what's that guy? The diligent guy? Like, <laughs> what's his name? No, they know that you're with me, but they are sending me in words to describe you. And really, while they're listening to the episode number and the fact that they're being reminded that they're listening to Teach Better Talk, they really just want to know what word I'm going to use to describe you today. So where did did Diligent come from? Diligent came from a Twitter message that was sent to me from somebody who I don't have the name up. Ugh. Well, I always love when people message me. Now I owe them a <laughs> shout out. We do owe a shout out. You know what we should start doing, Ray? I think we what? should start shouting out some, some Twitter users. Oh, we totally Instagram should. Users. We should. Do you have any in mind right now? Can we do a shout out right now? And then if you're listening and you want us to give us give a shout out, like tweet at us or hit us up on Instagram. It's at Ray Hewitt on both things. I'm at Jeff Gargas or underscore at Jeff Gargas at, uh, or at, at underscore Jeff Gargas on Instagram. Um, yeah. Well, hit us up and let's let's shout out. We want to give like more. I just feel like maybe that's a way we can give just more love to some of these awesome teachers that are out there listening and, and engaging with us in different ways and stuff. I don't know. So I have one right here. I want to give a shout Do out it. to Jeffrey Austin at yes. Mr. Austin A2. This is an incredible teacher. I've had the opportunity to actually talk with on the phone every so often. And he's an English high school teacher, and he is hosting, or I guess when this will publish, has hosted Mastery Chat. Yeah, exactly. But he is um, not just somebody I've connected with on Twitter, but somebody that I've actually written a few blogs with and and just inspired with. So um, Jeffrey's an amazing, amazing educator. Definitely go follow him over on Twitter. Good start. Like He's actually blogged for us over at teachbetter.com as well, which is great. So He's just a passionate guy and wants to do well Mm -hmm. and – we, uh, we had a funny conversation once driving to Chicago that I won't go into too detailed, but I'll just tell you, we were talking about how to reach people that that are resistant to growth. And it inspired one of my favorite blogs on teachbetter.com, which is how to reach the okay maybe zone. Mm, yeah. And um, Ooh, I'll just always post. thank Jeff for, for that conversation we had. Well, you're welcome. Not you. <laughs> Ah, boy, I'm just hitting them tonight, there's aren't so I? There's so many Jeffs oh, in the man. world. Get rid of them. Yeah, there's only one truly diligent one though um so diligent. he's on this side of the microphone no so so, so speaking of awesome teachers so i want to touch on something um i know you you're in our that's so sweet <laughs> i know you're in our private facebook group right um if you're listening you're not in our private facebook group you need to go over to facebook search teach better team and our page will come up which would be great if you give that a like but then make sure you hit join to get into the facebook group because there's some amazing conversations and collaboration going on over there but there was a post somewhat recently um that caught my eye and i just wanted to like throw something at you ray about it so this is a post um from don wood which there's another shout out don's amazing um but she was asking about uh, she had finished up the a unit on the grid method actually um but a question was about surveying her students and um 
she asked about like, you know, what do you guys use? What tools do you use? And there's a lot of tools thrown out and ideas and ways in which they ask and the questions they ask and stuff that are on there. So if you go in a group, you'll see all that. But so when you do that, right, like I know you do a good job of this. I want to ask you, like, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this, but like, so what do you focus on when you're doing that? When I, if I'm surveying my students, if I'm, I'm trying to get that feedback, like what's the purpose behind that? What should I be doing with that, that information I'm gathering? What kind of information should I, should I be getting from them? You know, a teacher's approach to trying to survey their students to gather information is, I I would assume, for the opportunity to reflect on how effective your teaching style is and what you can do better, should be approached the same way we would approach any formative assessment, right? That, That goes back to, and we do a lot of training on this, Jeff, but those mastery questions. What questions do I need to ask to really get the the type of data I need. And I don't mean to direct it all to the data, but but the fact is, is that if you're gonna take the time to give a formative assessment, if you're gonna take the time to collect data, it better be the data that you're looking for so you can actually mm. do something with it, right? My, my worst thing that I talk to teachers about is you give an assessment with 20 questions on it, but you realize that you probably only needed five and to really gather the data you needed of if they've mastered the standard or not. And that concept is is a direct correlation. What we're talking about now is getting data on your practice, hearing from your students. And we've talked about student voice before, but but it's important because if you're not if if you're using these best practice techniques, but you're not reaching your students the way that they need, then it doesn't matter what technique you're work you're working with. It it really matters at how then it's affecting your students and therefore, you know, having a, a step in their success. So I survey my students about every six weeks, um, and I actually do survey my parents probably just as frequently, mm-hmm. um, maybe a little less. And the whole concept is just to not only make them feel heard, but also gather information on you know small topics. Sometimes I ask them different questions. You know, my my initial question could be, you know, how do you like my teaching style? Do you um, am I communicating with you enough? Do you feel like you know what's going on in my classroom? Um, are you utilizing a tech tool that I've that I've encouraged you to utilize? Do you like me emailing you, or do you like when I send you video emails, which is you know answering your question? Well, I've recorded a video so you can see my face and my tone. You know, really targeting your questions to gather the data you need because you don't you don't just need to ask once, right? You can survey your students multiple times. And then you can put a focus on, you know, what am I actually looking for? Am I am I wondering if if I'm just if I'm just trying to get an ego boost, do they, do they think I'm cool? Um, or am I asking a really direct question like, is my communication style working for you? And if it's not, you know, what else can I do to make it more effective? Um, I think that that would be so valuable if, if our teachers asked our students more often, not just about their learning, but about other components of the classroom as well. What's the most frustrating thing that happens throughout your day that I can help fix? I love that you also do that to your parents. I think that's important too and doesn't happen enough as a parent, I'll tell you that, um, that I think it could be, is really uh, a crucial piece of it. It could be really, really valuable there. So do you have – last question on this and then we're going to move into the episode, but do you have like a, a go-to number of questions that you like to keep it under when you're doing that? Is there like a sweet spot of like, hey, if you ask more than five, the, it's just – they're you're annoying them do i almost just try and focus on those one two or three things i I really want to know or does it not matter you know i i wish i had some like statistical research on this i absolutely (laughs) don't i'm really just Uh, asking you personally like i don't yeah i don't i don't don't need data 
you know, I get like surveys all the time um, for people to gather data that are these listservs I'm on. And I hate long surveys. I don't have the time for that. And our parents don't, our students don't, especially if you're doing it in class, it's taking away from class time. Mm-hmm. So for me, I keep it to like three to five, maybe not five, you know, three to five questions. Um, and some of them, you know, start with a goofy one. You know, what's your most memorable moment from March? You know, tell me something about you. How can I, what data can I gather to actually learn about you? And then what data am I really looking for? And then always provide um, the last comment or the last question as a comment box. What Do you have anything that they want to communicate with you? That way you're catching the students or the parents that have been meaning to reach out to you, have been meaning to grab you and just haven't gotten a, you know, it's kind of like two birds, one stone. Love it. Good stuff. It's good stuff. Let's talk about the episode. So This was a fun episode. This was a fun episode. We have uh, Chris uh, Chapaton on, and he's a principal down at uh, Steam Middle School in uh, Texas, uh, right around the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, and man, just super, super fun guy. Very, very passionate. He describes himself as a high-energy uh, person who tries to pour that energy into other people. And man, you could just kind of feel it when he talked. Um, and the type of culture that he's trying to build down there, I thought was really cool. Um, I enjoyed his story. I'm going to try to say it without giving it away, but sort of how he looped back around to the school he's in. I'll leave it at that. Uh, kind of a cool story there. And I really love, uh, he, he tells, tells a cool story about his, his transition and from being a teacher into his, into the assistant principal role, which is his first admin, uh, position there. But man, uh, we, you and I were just talking before we started recording about about his passion and how much fun he was. Is there anything like specific from the episode that's really that really popped out that you're really excited for people to listen to? You know, I mentioned it in the in the episode, but one of my favorite elements of his stories is his vision. He really mm-hmm. doesn't just have a, a mission in terms of reaching students and supporting teachers, but but really trying to build something. He knows where he's headed, and and I think that if administrators, but but also if teachers had that mentality of like, I know where we're going and we're just going to keep like, you know, the only way to get there is to hold hands and walk together, you know, and I think that that mentality was carried um, more more successfully throughout districts and buildings and classrooms. That vision's important. That's good stuff. I agree. And the vision, he does a really cool, um, his, his failure story I thought was awesome, really hit me. Yeah. And then I, there's a piece of advice that he talks about and he shares with, um, and I'm just going to say it as he starts, start with the positive, but you got to listen to how he, where that, how he ties that in, I think is awesome. And there is a, a quote that he uses that you and I both like stop for. And it's something that he's going to tell you to schedule time to do. And I just thought it was awesome. So he was so good that his answer to the fifth question of our six quick questions took us way off track because it was awesome. So <laughs> I, I'm really excited for everyone to listen to this episode. It's a really great one. So without any further ado, let's get into episode 59 with Chris Chapaton. All right. We are here talking with Chris Chapaton. Did I say it right, Chris? You did. Great job. I did, you know, we, we test. I, I, I worked with you on it to get it right. And I just like had this feeling that I was going to say it wrong now that I, we were actually recording. <laughs> but so I'm already considering this episode successful so we can all go home. Awesome. Uh, no, but <laughs> really excited to have you on, man. Um, coming in, and you've been a, a participant in, in Master Chef. We connected on Twitter a while back, and we've had a conversation. We had to figure out the dates and get everything lined up. So, really excited to have you on, man. How are you feeling right now? Hey, I'm doing great. I just appreciate the opportunity to be on tonight. 
Well, Chris, we're going to talk about a whole lot of stuff, but I want to start by flipping it to you and asking you a little bit more about how you describe yourself and your role in education. Oh, wow. Uh, I really, uh, I describe myself as a person uh, of high energy and just seeking to pour into others and just to help be, be of service to, to grow others and to participate in a community that's about growing kids. Um, so, you know, a lot of my work is focused on walking alongside um, the other adults in the building uh, so that we all grow as learners and as servants and then turning, turning that towards our kids to help them reach beyond what they believe to be possible. Awesome. I love that. It's, I love the servant piece of just, and, and, and you mentioned about being uh, the energy and pouring that into others. And I love that. That's, that's such an important piece of being a leader in, in education right now. So a lot of experience under your belt and now, you know, in administration and different positions in the educational world. So a lot of, uh, I'm certain up and downs and, and ins and outs and spin you around type experiences. So we like to talk a lot on this podcast about failure and how we've learned from them and what we can take away from those experiences. So can you take us to a time in your life that you've had a failure? Tell us what it is that happened. Why was it a failure to you? How did you overcome that? And then what did you take away from that? Yeah, as I, as I look back, uh, something that really stands out to me is the transition from teacher to administrator. Um, I had the amazing opportunity to be a part of starting a brand new school. And part of that amazing opportunity is that now I've been able to go back and serve as principal. But my, my initial transition in 2015 from teacher to assistant principal, um, you know, at that point in my career as a teacher, um, you know, I, I, I was growing, I was learning, I was a part of a great team and felt uh, a sense of competency and confidence uh, in my in my job, in my role. And as as I transitioned into uh, AP, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. And not only am I a part of starting a brand new school, but I'm also in a brand new role and trying to figure all of that out at the same time. And so my confidence and my competence uh, quickly switched, and you know, being being tied to an identity where I was finding success uh, and finding growth, you know, all of that changed. Uh, in a lot of ways, it felt like overnight. And so that entire first year um, as an AP was was taking you know step after step, day after day of growing back into some competence and some confidence, uh, and that was tough. You know, there was. It's a lot of experiences where I learned what not to do, a lot of decisions and choices that I wish I could go back and change. Um, but, you know, also looking back on that as opportunities for growth and, and contributing to the person that I'm becoming today. But I would say that the, the key word of that entire year was one of identity. And so I really had to wrestle with who am I when I don't feel confident and competent in what I'm doing? And how can I continue to move forward, even though my identity feels uh, shaky uh, in in that the, the course of that year? And, uh, you know, I'm just thankful for uh, leaders who believed in me, who poured in me, who uh, kept challenging me and who were in a lot of ways growth mindset for me uh, during that year in order to to overcome and learn from from that challenging year. Oh, man, so much in there. I, I love that you're, you're used to the words, uh, learn an opportunity, learn an opportunity of, of, of learning when you grow and that how it developed you into who you are. And your, your, your touch on, on the identity and how 
how do I view myself? I can't remember how exactly you said it. You said better than I'm about to, but how do I view myself when my identity doesn't feel like it's not as strong, when I'm shaken, when I don't feel as confident? And that's That just hits me, boom, right in the heart because I remember I tell the story a lot about uh, just a bit major failure that I had in a, in a past life where where I just like lost my identity. And I literally asked my wife and I and she asked me what was wrong one day and I said, if I'm not, it's a long story, but at Jeff TF, because I had a record label called FTF Records and everybody called me Jeff TF. And I said, if I'm not Jeff TF, who am I? Like, who am I? Like, I didn't even know who I was. And she, of course, made me feel better because she's awesome. But like, that can be such a, a tough moment when you, you know, and it doesn't even have to be a major failure, any kind of failure. When you kind of lose it and you're like, man, like, I thought I was good at that or I thought I had that down and I didn't. So like, who am I? What am I doing? Maybe I'm not a good teacher. Maybe I'm not a good leader. But to be able to get through that is 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 so crucial and then to be able to look back. And I love that you touched on the fact that you had leaders that could help you get through that. So really appreciate you sh- appreciate that you sharing that story with us. Well, yeah, no problem. I mean, I don't I don't get the AP job if I'm not a decent and effective teacher. And mm-hmm. so, you know, here I've gone from feeling good about what I do and, and about my performance to now feeling feeling very shaky as I'm plowing new ground and, and trying to take new territory. Uh, and so, you know, really helped at, at now, now being in a position where I can, um, you know, I can hopefully have influence on others and, and be a leader to others. I'm, I'm always cognizant of that identity piece because we typically go to productivity or we go to performance and um and try to tune people up there and that's important but if if we don't feel um a sense of confidence and competence in who we are then you know i think we're kind of spinning our wheels yeah agreed and i think that's such an awesome uh, viewpoint for you to have as a leader now to understand where others are in those moments to be able to to like as you said pour into them and help them get through that stuff so that's awesome uh so let's uh let's flip it around now let's talk about a success that you've had this can be something big something small um, but tell us what happened. Why was it a success for you? And then what'd you take away from that? I just, I feel a lot of humility and a lot of excitement. Um, when I, when I think about the opportunity I'm living out right now, which is going back to the school that I helped start. So I was AP, um, at steam middle school in Burleson, uh, new steam oriented 21st century, uh, oriented campus, uh, was able to, to serve there from 2015 through, um, through 2017, the July of 2017. Then uh, I went to a local high school and in January of 2018, got to come back as principal. And so, um, you know, it's just, I describe it as uh, going back to an expansion team and, and kind of helping move it along to its next steps or for whatever reason, being away from a small child for a period of time. And then, you know, you get to come back and you're like, wow, you were crawling when I left and now you're you're standing up on the coffee table. Or you're taking your first few steps, and so it's been um, it's been exciting to return and to see the fruit of the labor of the people there, and to see how you know the campus is transitioning from startup phases to some sustaining success phases, and looking into you know the possibility of, of three to five years down the road. Where where do we want to be? You know, now that we're we're standing. Uh, up, you know, leaning against the coffee table or taking those first few steps. How do we want to uh, continue to to take the next steps of our campus vision? Ultimately, to to see our teachers grow and in turn see our students um, achieve. So that's that's what's exciting me right now. 
Hey, what's up, guys? It's Jeff. We're going to get right back to the episode, but I want to make sure if you haven't submitted your proposal for Teach Better Conference in November, you need to do that right now. Head over to teachbetterconference.com. Get your proposal in. We will see you on November 8th and 9th. Now let's get back to the episode. You know, Chris, I know that you've listened to a few different episodes on our podcast, but for our listeners that that have been listening to, you know, the past five, four, you know, episodes, we've had a lot of administrators on. And I think, I wish that we could say it was, you know, an, intentionally, we had some secret mission, Jeff and I, but really it's been a lot of how our scheduling fell. You know, we, we reach out to educators and, and we purposefully phrase, you know, teach better talk is supporting educators because whether you're a first year classroom teacher or a veteran teacher or a first year principal or a veteran principal or a superintendent or the director of curriculum instruction, I mean, how, whatever role you play in education in any form um, is what we love to celebrate here. And and there's been some consistencies with the administrators that we've had, but but something I've really enjoyed listening to your story is, is this is this idea of vision, you know, this idea of of what is in our future, what's on the horizon, and what can we continue to work towards with that. And I that gets me excited as I continue to learn from educators, all different types of educators, but specifically you, since we've been connected on Twitter for a while, is is how exciting is it to have these forward-thinking educators in leadership roles um, that that have really amazing power to to really construct a vision that's best for our students, and and that's amazing. So when it comes to then turning it around and asking you what you're excited about these days in education, I know you kind of alluded to it in your last answer, but would you mind expanding on what is keeping you excited and what's you know fueling your fire? Yeah, so here's here's what we're about at STEAM. Um, our our vision for this year has been creating engaging learning, which you know can be kind of a catchy phrase, uh, but we break it down into three components. The creating component is our campus wide focus on standards alignment, and that's specifically through standards aligned rubrics. So I'm excited about teachers who are learning to truly be curriculum designers because they're looking at the learning standard. And not only are they breaking it down into its components and learning its various components and, and how to develop kids towards mastery in those components, but they're also looking at the verb and uh, working through processes of uh, differentiating the verb across four levels to really provide a, a, sta- a, a experience for kids rich in leveled learning standards. Uh, then there's the engaging part of it, which is our campus emphasis on student autonomy. So utilizing our relationship with a company called Engage to Learn and the best practice and life-ready skill rubrics that they create, this emphasis on student autonomy is also a leveled rubric experience where teachers and kids can track their growth and their expressions of autonomy. And then finally, there's the learning part, right? Like how do we know this is even having an impact and that kids are learning? And so what I've chosen to do is take an organic approach to assessment calibration, kind of in conjunction with the standards aligned rubrics and the student autonomy pieces, but organically as it makes sense to teachers because they have the context and the experience to reflect back upon. um, Then we have conversations about assessment calibration, about leveled assessments, uh, and about tracking um, our students' performance on those assessments with leveled questions. So really trying to take an approach where once their experience begins to outweigh their knowledge, now we're going we're gonna to provide more knowledge and, and then give them space to 
experiment and grow their experience. So creating engaging learning um, is really what has me excited in terms of the vision of this campus. And now as we look to 2019-2020, what we're discovering is that as we provide this the standards-rich environment along with the student autonomy growth, we're moving from engagement to empowerment. And so the the the, the 2.0, if you will, uh, of the vision becomes creating empowering learning. But again, not just you know a fancy catchy slogan, but the standards alignment uh, piece and then the student autonomy piece that flows into assessment calibration. So what I've told my teachers is I, I'm giving you really two targets uh, instead of 20 <laughs> that, that sometimes we end up with. You just shoot at these two targets. If we get to the third one organically, it will make sense and it won't feel as much like another um, another weight that you have to carry. But but you design and provide rich experiences for kids in these two areas. Um, and that's that's where we're going to hang our hat. So creating engaging learning to creating empowering learning. And and next year, along with that, I really want to partner with Engage to look three to five years down the road. What does a long-term sustainable campus vision look like uh, in practice so that our our instructional dynamics develop some deep roots? Not only do I want to give them just a couple targets to shoot at, but I also I want to deepen our roots um, so that you know we're not constantly kind of changing the game or flipping the script on teachers or students. We can actually have some time um, to get some depth into our instructional best practices. Well, Chris, geez, you just touched on a ton of other best practices that I know that teachers listening are are writing down or they've heard these terms. You know, a lot of the elements about mastery and really supporting the students to get them what they need when they need it, and also this focus on not just imp- not just motivating them, but really empowering them is is a huge focus I know on our team. So I love that those two pillars is really something that you're not only working on for your teachers, but providing them the support to be able to master those skills in their classroom. So what advice do those teachers need? What what types of advice would you give a, a new teacher or even a teacher in the field that that is hungry to to look towards that type of classroom and and really wanting that future for their students? Find a trusted um, relationship valuing high performing teacher and apprentice from and with them. Yeah, I think one of my favorite elements of talking about a mentor is that anybody can be a mentor. You just have to find them, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, one of the beauties of um, of what we're trying to trying to build at Steam is that our our campus leadership team is so strong. And so, you know, these are folks that I'm challenging to lead the folks on their teams. And a lot of that is, you know, be the, be the person that you want your teammates to become. Um, as, as admin, as we're trying to, to be the people that, you know, we want our, our campus leadership team to become. And if we all, if we all have that forward thinking, pouring into others, growing others, um, you know, mindset and practice, then we all benefit because the community comes together with its gifts and, and we all, you know, we all shine with, with what we have to offer. I, I love your outlook on things and just the way that it's that, that forward thinking of pouring, pouring itself into others and, and, and focus on the growth and the, the full vision of, of your, 
your campus there and your leadership team all the way down to your teachers and stuff. I want to ask some, you know, I love, we do a lot of it. And Ray mentioned that we've, we've had a couple admins on recently, but we do, you know, a lot of our, our episodes are with teachers. Um, and so anytime we get an admin on, I'd like to, uh, and I don't think I've asked it, one of our, our principals re- or recently about this, but I want to ask you, because we get to work, we work with a lot of districts around the country and, and a lot of different schools. And so we get to work a lot with teachers, but we also work with the admin team. So we kind of get to see a lot of both sides. Um, and, we're, I think we're pretty good at building relationships. So a lot of times we get to hear a lot of things from both sides. Um, and sometimes, unfortunately, you know, we found there are sort of these gaps because there's so many things that are, that, that are different in those roles that can kind of separate the, the, the two. So I always like to ask from an admin's perspective, what's something that you wish, if you could say something right now to every teacher out there that they that you need them to understand about someone who's in your position and in, in that leadership role and that admin role, what's something that teachers just need to understand about about admins and and what you're trying to do? You know, something that I learned from um, from a mentor uh, and and trusted friend um, is the power of positive presuppositions. And so, I, I my my off the cuff, you know, in the moment answer. Um, from from teacher to admin and from admin to teacher is that that relationally uh you know let us start with positive presuppositions um, for each other you know we got into this profession to help kids ultimately and and to serve um to serve children and to help them achieve things they you know may not believe are possible and so if we can start um if we can start uh, assuming the that positive intent of each other, then we can find common ground to move forward. I love it. That was perfect. That's exactly what I was looking for. So it was great. All right. So now let's let's have a little bit of fun. So we're gonna do the next six questions and we're gonna do them in fifteen seconds or less. You ready to go? Let's do it. All right, man. What is one ed tech tool you cannot live without? Ah, uh, Twitter. I, I saw that coming. Uh, give us Maybe a. Uh, I'll give, do a Voxer a close second. Voxer. Yeah, I like it. That's good. Uh, uh, give us a book that you're reading right now. All right, I'm reading a book called A Leader's Guide to Excellence in Every Classroom by John Wink. Uh, he's just breaking down how to inspire leadership in educators. It's fantastic. And speaking of Twitter, who do we need to follow on Twitter right now? Uh, you need to follow Shannon Burke with Engage to Learn. You need to follow Brandon Johnson, who's a fellow administrator. Um, those would be two great places to start. All right, and give us a, the best YouTube channel for educators. Golly. You know what? I'm not really a big YouTube. All right, give us a give us a website person. or a resource site that you go to. Um, I tell you what, I go to YouTube for is like productivity apps and ed tech mm. like tips. Um, so we're like right now, I'm I'm more into things than I am into channels. So like right now, I'm learning a lot about Notion, uh, which is kind of a do it all app. Um, so so it's more based on my searches than it is the channels that I follow. I like that though. That, that's, that's, that works perfect. Good answer still. Uh, give us a daily, weekly, or monthly routine every teacher should get into. Wow. I could tell you, I could tell you the daily, weekly, monthly routines that I, with my head, I say I should get into, but with my actions, <laughs> uh, still trying to find, still trying well, to you, take you time can, to exercise. You can give us those and then we'll play this back for you. And maybe it'll work that time. Man, daily, <laughs> weekly, or monthly routine. Um, you know, I, I'm learning this from some others on my team, and that is like schedule time to 
to be thankful. Um, one of the things that um, our campus does a really good job at is sending positive emails to students. And so whether you're admin, you know, sending positivity to your teachers, teachers to students, whatever, like get into a routine of kindness. Get into a routine of kindness. Holy moly. Uh, yeah. Love that. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. I feel like he just probably... made that up on the spot. Yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, so so here's the deal. We're we track the positive emails that teachers send to students and teachers set goals themselves. So like in the fall, their goal as a campus and I've got a staff of like 31. So their goal uh, as a campus was 500 positive emails to kids. They sent 529. So at Christmas, they re-upped and they said, all right, we're going to do 500 more in the spring. And, And I said to myself, like, you're you're helping to facilitate this growth in kindness. But how many emails are you sending, dude? And so so like <laughs> I had to, to kind of step into, hey, like, how can I expect them to do this? And I'm looking and I've sent zero. So I've had to make it routine that, you know, not only when I go to classrooms for observational purposes, I'm also looking at, OK, which kids in this class can I send? positive emails to, if not the whole class, um, to, to be a part of accomplishing the mission myself. Nice. That's an awesome mission. So how are you, um, just from an, from a technical standpoint, how are you tracking those? Like what's the method for tracking them? Well, we do it through Google forms. So we've got a a created form, you know, part of it's just trying to make it easy for the teacher. So the teacher can go to a spreadsheet, look up the student ID, pop it into the form, uh, click a couple buttons and click send. And then for the for positive ones, we also have uh, I forgot to mention just a little part where they can type in, you know, personal um, a personal message and then they click send and it goes to to the parent. It goes to the student. um, It goes to admin and it goes to them. That's cool. I like it. Chris, you've shared so many tidbits in this episode. I want to make sure that everybody here can connect with you. We missed the piece, Ray. I missed the question. You didn't finish a question with well, him with he got all it. Well, his I, routine thing got a little past fifteen seconds. Hey, I'm I'm thinking in my head like best hey. piece of advice I've ever received. Yeah, but like, oh man. So like, I want to touch on so like what our, our fifteen second answer to the routine went way off, but man, like ridiculously valuable. So like I'm okay with that. But yeah, so the final question is is Chris is is what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Okay. Other other than get a routine of kindness, which I think is pretty See, awesome. Chris, advice. <laughs> Chris, my question was going to be easier, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm not saying this because I'm good at it at all. But you know, you're talking about advice, like consider others better than yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, working that out and living that out is is a daily challenge. But I would say. That's the best advice I've ever gotten. I love that. Yep, you is greater than me. Awesome. All right, Ray, you can go with your easy question now. <laughs> Are you sure? Do you have anything, else? anything I mean, else, Jeff? You want to jump Chris in Chris here? just seems like the kind of guy who can handle the challenge. I don't know why we throw these <laughs> softballs at him, but you know, I like to step it up a little bit here. Like <laughs> One of us has to do it right. <laughs> she's well, she's going to fight have... me after this, Chris, just so you're so, aware. So I might just step off to the side. And you may have to finish yeah. this up. Be glad this is virtual because it's about <laughs> to get bloody. Um, she's going to beat me up later. 
Go ahead, Ray. We're all listening and waiting for you. He makes me out to be this awful person. Even at the end of some of the episodes, he says that I'm like watching the listeners to subscribe. Like, you know that I'm not that mean. You know that I won't. But you know that you creep around to all of our listeners' houses and look in. Like, it's just weird, Ray. Who has time for that, Jeff? Who has time for that? I'm going to cut that part out. I don't want to get you in trouble. So... Chris is like sitting there going, wow, did I really just do this for like I mean, 30 minutes hey, with these two You don't people? have to creep. Like next time y'all are in DFW, let's go catch a bite. Heck yeah. Like, next time coming in, I'm going to come in there. Yeah, we're going to get some barbecue. Sounds well, good. Chris, regardless of the shenanigans <laughs> that Jeff Gargas is trying to facilitate in this podcast episode, I do want to make sure regardless of all of your questions and answers that our listeners can connect with you and continue the conversation. So what is the way that you prefer? Okay, so primary way would be Twitter, um, at Chris underscore Chapitin, C-H-A-P-P-O-T-I-N. And um, I'd also say Instagram at the same handle, at Chris underscore Chapitin. And you know you can find all the links and everything we talked about in tonight's episode over at teachbetter.com, including the links to make sure you get the connected to the, to Chris over on Twitter and on Instagram and continue that conversation with him. So make sure you head over to, uh, to teachbetter.com for all the information and the show notes. Be sure to hit subscribe. If I could speak tonight, that'd be great. Hit subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And please, please give us a rating and review. We really appreciate that. We want to know what you're thinking. And do me a big favor. Make sure you tweet or uh, at Ray Hewitt or hit her up on Instagram and share with her. She's always looking for these words to describe me at the beginning of the podcast. And I'm afraid she's running out and it's just going to get bad. So, like, she wants to help. I want to know what you guys are thinking. We've had some really cool ones sent in, so that's that would be really, really cool. Appreciate that a whole lot. Chris, man, thank you so much for coming on and, and not only just sharing your, your your thoughts, your experiences, but having some fun with us, laughing with us, getting us way off track with such an awesome answer to the, the fifth of the, the, the six quick ones. Uh, really appreciate it, man. Really appreciate the stories, the, the, uh, the how transparent you were with us and everything. So, man, just, just appreciate you. No, not a problem at all. Again, thanks. Thankful for the opportunity and chance to hang out with y'all. And until next time, let's get out there and let's teach better. Hey.